Okay, brothers and sisters in the faith, praises be to our Father that we're gathered once again to study His book. Now we're going to continue our studies in the book of Leviticus. Last week we talked about the holiness of our Father, the holiness of God, and we will continue with the basic theme. This time, however, in the next few chapters of the Holy Bible, we're going to focus on cleanliness, cleansing power of God. You've probably heard about this phrase before, this saying, cleanliness sits next to godliness. How many here have heard this before? I believe this saying came from the book of Leviticus, because in the next chapters of the book of Leviticus, we're going to see all the rules and regulations that God gave his people, which emphasize cleanliness. And this begins with the following instructions in the book of Leviticus 11, 1 down to 2. Then Yahuwah said to Moses and Aaron, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Of all the land animals, these are the ones you may use for food. And so according to Yahuwah, our God, he gave instructions that basically guide what we eat and what we should not eat. What is the purpose of Yahuwah, our God? He's interested with our well-being because he wants us to live a healthy and long life. He has given us these instructions. And so people could eat meat. God gave man domination over animals, and they can eat meat and use that for food. However, God also gave guidelines concerning this blessing of food that he has given humanity. One, what is the purpose of God? Basically, he's concerned about the health and well-being of his people. That's why he gave us dietary guidelines. You know, like the U.S. government has a suggestion for how much food you're about, for how much food you are to consume, how many calories per day. What, 1,800 calories, 2,100 calories, whatever, right? And you have the four, is it four food groups or did they change that now? You have the different food groups. And so you have these regulations, recommendations by the U.S. government to maintain our uh, physical health and well-being. God is also concerned about the well-being and the health of his people. That's why he gave guidelines concerning what to eat and what not to eat. What is among them? What are some of the laws that God has given? Leviticus 11, verse 3, he says, You may eat any animal that has completely split hooves and choose the cud. And so if you're going to go hunting for food because you want meat to eat, you're going to look for an animal, land animal to eat. You have to follow this rule. Very simple, right? What characteristics must it possess? Number one, it must have split hoops. Number two, it must chew the cud. And so this is what it looks like. So the animal that is considered kosher, kosher foods. Number one, it's the animal that has split hoops. You can see a picture of a split hoof, hoof. And also, the animal must chew the cud. You know what that means? You know what the cud is? What is the cud? The cud basically is a portion of food that returns from a ruminant stomach to the mouth to be chewed for the second time. So basically, after the animal chews on it and it digests it, it vomits it out, vomits the food particles out and chews it again a second time, right? The animals that do this are called ruminants. And so God says, if you're going to eat an animal, a land animal, it has to have those two characteristics. Number one, it must have what? Split hooves. Number two, it must chew the cud. Well, what if it only has one of the characteristics? This is what Yehovah God says in Leviticus 11, 4 down to 7. You may not, however, eat the following animals that have split hooves or that chew the cud, but not both. You get that? Not both. And so he, God gives examples. The camel chews the cud, but does not have split hooves. So it's ceremonially unclean for you. Number five, verse five. The hyrax chews the cud, but does not have split hooves, so it is unclean. The hare chews the cud, but does not have split hooves, so it is unclean. The pig 
has evenly split hooves, but does not to the cut. So it is unclean. Do you see the pattern? So if you want to eat food or meat from a land animal, it has to have both split hooves and it also chews the cud. And so the camel cannot be eaten. It's considered ceremonially unclean. The hyrax, by the way, what's a hyrax? Have you ever heard of a hyrax before? I think my, my daughter know, you know, don't know what a hyrax is. How about my wife? No, don't know. Brent, hyrax. Well, this is what it looks like. Looks like a fat squirrel, doesn't it? It's like a rodent type creature. Bible says, do not eat that. The hare or the rabbit, where it's not considered clean, ceremonially clean. So it was prohibited during the Old Testament. The people of Israel could not eat this animal. And our favorite meat of all, right? Yeah. You cannot eat pork if you were Israelite during the Old Testament times because it was considered unclean. And it happens to be one of our favorite dishes, adobo, right? Lechon. What else? Crispy pata. You could not be an Israelite and eat these kinds of foods. Why though? You might be asking yourself, okay, what was the basis of God in determining an animal that is clean and one that is unclean? Why would God give these prohibitions in the first place? Consider the pig, for example. According to science, pigs are often the host of the tapeworm, solium. Infection by this parasite can cause small tumors to arise throughout the body, including on the skin, eyes, and muscles. Furthermore, these tumors can affect the brain, cause epileptic convulsions. How many here knew? How many here knew that? Yeah, you know, I may not eat another piece of pork again because of that. Maybe we should kind of cut down on the pork consumption. Not only that, furthermore, these tumors can affect. Uh, additionally, humans can develop trichiniasis from trichinosis. I think we're familiar with this one. Tapeworms, right? infestation from eating undercooked as well as tapeworm known as help me with this one guys echicoccus granulosus from water polluted by pigs further pigs can pass on the microorganisms that cause toxoplamosis a disease affecting the nervous system you see god knows what he's talking about so when he looked at the pig God said it is unclean. Why else is it considered unclean? And is it just the pig? Let's go ahead and take a, look, uh, take a look at this report from the Journal of Integrative Medicine, published in 2013. So just recently, scientific research has revealed that trichinae, worms too small to detect with the naked eye, but can cause fatal diseases, occurs in animals such as Pigs, wild boars, dogs, wolves, hyenas, jackals, foxes, lions, leopards, bears, cats, badgers, mink, and martins. These are the unclean biblical animals. However, the meat of cows and sheep, which is kosher, you can eat them, well, they cannot even be artificially contaminated with tricky name. And so we can see from God's point of view, he can see something that we cannot see without the use of a microscope. What is that? The worms too small to detect with a naked eye are called what? Trichinae. The people of Israel, they had no idea what that was because it was too small to see. And so they had to trust God because God can see those little worms. And so God said to Moses, tell the people, do not eat these animals because they have these little worms inside of them that will bring disease in their life. And so when we look at the classification according to the biblical teaching of God concerning the difference between the clean and unclean animals, there is a distinction. There's a health benefit behind it. And in 1953, a study was conducted to see what the difference was between these two kinds of uh, unclean and clean animals in terms of the meat. And so this was done in 1953. 
an extended, extensive study performed by David Mock and published in the Bulletin of the History of Medicine, publication of the American Association of the History of Medicine, and of Johns Hopkins Institute of the History of Medicine. So this is John Hopkins. This is a prestigious uh, publication. Tested the toxicity of the meat of animals described by Leviticus 11. So what the scientists did was this. They took seeds. When you plant a seed and you give it normal solution, it grows, right? It becomes a plant if it has good solution, if it was raised in the right solution. And so what they did was to test what would happen to those seeds if the solution was mixed with meat juice. <laughs> it's funny. Test the meat juice of the different animals mentioned in Leviticus 11 and to see how close to the perfect solution they can get, okay? So they tested different groups of animals, clean and unclean. For clean, they tested the ox, the sheep, the calf, the goat, the deer. So all those animals right there, ox, sheep, calf, goat, goat uh, deer, according to the scriptures, you can eat because they're clean, right? But you cannot eat pig or rabbit or camel or horse because they're unclean. So when they did the toxicity test, when they tested the animal juices, the meat juices, this is how it came out. The ox, the sheep, calf, the goat, the deer, the ox came 91% close to perfect. In other words, it wasn't very toxic to your body once you digest the meat. Pretty good. Sheep, 94%. Calf, 82%. Goat, 90%. Deer, 90%. In other words, the meat found in these animals were not toxic to the human body. Which one is the best source of meat? Looks like it's sheep. Lamb chops, right? 94%. So if I were you, if you are on a, on a diet and you wanted to make sure that what goes into your body is the good stuff, maybe you should eat sheep meat. How many here like sheep meat? Nobody here likes sheep meat. I understand, right? But take a look at this. The unclean, the pig, the rabbit, the camel, the horse. What does it say? Look at that, 54%, 49% for a rabbit, camel, 41%, horse. One of the worst things you can eat is horse meat, right? Because it's very toxic to the human body. And so when we look at the clean and unclean animals as prescribed by the Holy Bible, and we use the test of science, we can see why God has given the distinction between clean and unclean, right? It is for our own benefit. What else? Leviticus 11, 9 to 12, of all the marine animals, seafood, right? All seafood is good for you. Okay, well, let's go ahead and test that. Of all the marine animals, these are the ones you may use for food. You may eat anything from the water if it has both fins and scales, whether taken from salt water or from stream. But you must never eat animals from the sea or from rivers that do not have both fins and scales. They are detestable to you. This applies both to little creatures that live in shallow water and to all creatures that live in deep water. What could these little creatures be? Oysters, clams, mollusks, lobsters, Right? They will always be detestable to you. You must never eat their meat or even touch their dead bodies. Any marine animal that does not have both fins and scales is detestable to you. Look at that. So when it comes to marine animals or what we call seafood, Bible has very clear teachings. What can we eat that's from the sea? What can we eat? What has fins and scales? Fish. So we can eat fish, but not all fish. For example, the catfish, you can't eat it because I don't believe it has uh, scales, right? The catfish doesn't have scales, so you're not supposed to eat the catfish. What else can't you eat? Lobster, oyster, the good stuff, right? Clams. Yeah, why? Well, they don't have fins and they don't have scales, so you can't eat that kind of food. There's seafood, yeah, but the Bible says no, you can't eat it. 
that's according to the Old Testament rules, right? And so when they conducted a study, the same toxicity study that was done with the land animals, this is what they came up with. Special interest were experiments made with the muscle juices. I like the way that sounds, right? Muscle juice. Muscle juices and also blood solutions obtained from many species of fishes. 54 species of fishes were so, were so far studied in regard to toxicity of meat extracts. It was found that the muscle extracts of those fishes, which possess scales and fins, were practically non-toxic. Herring, 100%. Pike, 98%. Shad, 100%, etc. However, when it comes to fishes, and when it comes to those with extracts with, with scales and fins, according to the study, muscle extracts from fishes without scales and fins were highly toxic for the growth of lupinus albus seedlings. And so again, it matches what the Bible is telling us. There's a reason why God says do not eat that kind of marine animal. And so one kind that we cannot eat, no matter how beautiful they look, is this kind of fish. What is that fish called? Huh? It's a bluefish. How many of you have tasted a bluefish before? You go to Japan, I think it's a delicacy. I'm not sure. Yeah, bluefish. You know, the Bible says don't eat a bluefish. Don't eat a bluefish. Why not? Why can't you eat a bluefish? Well, the bluefish has fins, but does not have scales. Thus, it would not have been edible under the Old Testament laws. Fortunately, for the Israelites. Why? Because the blowfish can contain toxin in its ovaries, liver, and other organs that is highly potent and deadly. This toxin called tetrodotoxin is thought to be 1,250 times more deadly than cyanide. How many here would eat cyanide? No way would you put that stuff in your body. But the toxins found in blowfish it's 1,250 times more deadly and 160,000 times more potent than cocaine. Can you imagine that? You're going to put that stuff in your body. See, God knows what he's talking about. Perhaps Moses and Aaron could not fully understand. Maybe the people of Israel may be saying to the Lord God, why? It's just fish. But God knows what he's talking about. Why? Because he's the one who created all of this. This is why if I were you, I'll just simply trust what our creator has to say even if it means staying away from this right you go to a buffet how many here miss the buffet seafood buffet right you go to the buffet you kind of go to the oyster bar you get the oysters sometimes it's raw you put the vinegar on it you get the hot peppers yummy my wife's favorite food but it's included in God's prohibitions. Do not eat oyster. According to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, published in 2003, oysters are sometimes contaminated with the naturally occurring bacteria, Vibrio vulnificus. Oysters contaminated with Vibrio vulnificus can't be detected by smell or sight. They look like other oysters. Eating raw oysters containing this stuff, Vibrio, is very dangerous for those with pre-existing medical conditions, such as liver disease, diabetes, hepatitis, cancer, and HIV. 50% of people who are infected with Vibrio vulnificus as a result of eating raw, contaminated, contaminated oysters, what happens to them? They die. Are you going to take that risk? This is why before taking your next oyster delicacy into your mouth. Let's think about God's prohibition here. How many here is liking the lesson so far? <laughs> oh boy, I'm getting some frowns, some looks of disappointments. Remember, this is for your own good. This is what the Journal of Integrative Medicine 2013 said about these uh, kinds of uh, marine animals. Clean fish have fins and scales, according to their studies. Unclean aquatic organisms like clams and oysters are filter feeders that purify water. God created them to purify the sea, the ocean, right? And so what does that mean? Well, it means when they do the filtering, it, the, 
the concentrate poisonous chemicals and pathologic bacteria and viruses in their tissues. It gets stored, it gets stored in their tissues. Eating an oyster is basically like eating your vacuum cleaner bag, right? Because that's what oysters are, vacuum cleaners of the sea, right? Yet modern connoisseurs do not like to think about this. Crabs and lobsters are scavengers that eat dead things on the bottom of bodies of water. Most unclean birds and carnivores are or scavengers. How many here are going to eat a lobster again or an oyster again? I have to rethink my options now, right? So what else does God prohibit? Let, let's look at the bird family now. Leviticus 11, 13 to 19. Basically, God says you can eat the bird, like the pigeon, the dove, right? The turtle doves, those are clean. However, there are birds that we cannot eat. These are birds that are detestable to you. You must never eat them. The griffin vulture, the bearded vulture, the black vulture, the kite, falcons of all kinds, ravens of all kinds, the eagle owl, the short-eared owl, the seagull, hawks of all kinds, the little owl, the cormorant, the great owl, the barn owl, the desert owl, the Egyptian vulture, the stork, herons of all kinds, the hoopoe, and last one, our favorite, <laughs> the bat, right? And so basically, you can eat the birds, except for, if you notice the pattern, what are they? Either they are predators, or they are scavengers. Do not eat flying creatures that are predators and scavengers, including the bat. God says, eat only the good, clean birds, like the pigeon, the quail. And so when they did the toxicity test, will it pass again? This is what the, uh, this is the test that they also conducted in that study. Now they tested the pigeon, the quail against the red-tailed hawk and the owl, right? The clean versus unclean. Pigeon and quail, 93% for the pigeon. Quail, 89%. How about the red-tailed hawk? 36%. The owl, 62%. Again, it fits the biblical teaching. And so when we look at these scientific tests, it teaches us something that the people of Israel did not know. How did Moses know that? How did Aaron know that? They didn't because Yahuwah God was the one who told them to write it down. Okay? And how about the bat? How many here have eaten bat before? Anyone here have eaten bat before? Because there are places in the world that where bats are considered a delicacy, right? Like where? I don't know, but there are places where they like to eat bat. And so this is what a study has revealed. The wisdom of this instruction is demonstrated by the fact that bats often carry, what do they carry? Rabies. Yeah. While it's true that many animals are susceptible to rabies, bats are especially so. The American College of Emergency Physicians documented that between 1992 and 2002, rabies passed from bats caused 24 of the 26 human deaths from rabies in the United States. Who would have thought, right? If you were thinking, okay, death, rabies, oh, because of a dog, right? No, 24 of 26 came from where? Bats. In the Science Daily article describing this research, Robert D. Gibbons, MD, MPH of Walter Reed Army, Institute of Research in Silver Spring at MD, uh, Maryland, reviewed the 24 cases of humans with bat rabies. Not only that, when you go back to, what, 17 years ago, when the SARS outbreak broke out, remember? Supposedly, it was started by what? With a bat? How about coronavirus today? What's the origin? This is what they came up with. Uh, July, this is a July 2020 study. Wait a minute, that's just today. <laughs> this just came out. According to the July 2020, uh, uh, July 2020 study, this is from the CDC, by the way. What's the CDC? Center for Disease Control. This is what they said. This is a, a very reliable study. And 
Their conclusion is that the bat is the origin of the severe acute respiratory syndrome called corona, coronavirus 2, which is what is responsible, according to experts, to COVID-19. The bat. God said, do not eat the bats. And so we should listen to what God has to say. Now, not only does God tell us not to eat certain kinds of animals, God also has prohibitions concerning what we must not do when we die. What is that? Leviticus 11.8, you may not eat the meat of these animals or even touch the carcasses. They are ceremonially unclean for you. Well, what if you have to get rid of them? So you accidentally touch it, right? Or you touch it because you have to get rid of it. What is the rule? 11.24.28, if you touch the dead bodies of the following animals, you'll be unclean until evening. All animals with hooves, unless their hooves are divided, they all chew a cut, and all four-footed animals with paws. If you carry their dead bodies, you must wash your clothes, but you will still be unclean until evening. And so if there was a dead animal, you were not allowed to touch it. If by chance, if you accidentally or there was a need for you to touch it, you were considered unclean until evening. But you have to wash yourselves, including all of your clothes. And still you will not be considered clean until evening. Why do you suppose God prohibits the touching of dead animals? Why? What do you think? What could be the possible reason? What do we know today that Moses did not know back then? The existence of what? Starts with letter B. Invisible to the naked eye, but invisible in the microscope. Virus, bacteria. Right? Moses had no idea what that was about. But God did. Now we know because of the advent of science and medicine. And this is what AA Animal Control 2003-2020 said. Any bacteria that was present in the body of the now dead animal will be released once the decomposition process starts. And this means that certain disease force can become airborne. And so if you go near a dead animal, that's bad. Tularemia is one example of a disease that can be contracted from a dead body of a wild animal. And the threat comes with a large number of species. Fleas, ticks, and mites can stay alive for some time after the host body has died too. And it takes barely anything to transfer them to a new host, meaning you and your pets. This is why if you see a dead corpse, stay away from it. It's loaded with bacteria that can bring disease. This is why when God gave these laws, God wants his people to maintain cleanliness. Because cleanliness is next to, what is that again? Godliness, right? This is why it's good to be clean. And there was a true story that was presented by Blue Leather Bible Org. This is a true story, okay? This means that if a dead rat was found in an Israelite village, for example, it would be carefully and promptly disposed of. And the one disposing of it would wash afterward. This would help prevent disease in a significant way. After all, the Black Death, also known as the bubonic plague. How many here have heard about the bubonic plague? The Black Plague. It killed one quarter of Europe's population. That's one fourth, 25% of the population around 1350. However, there, were, there was a group of people in Europe who were spared. <laughs> you know who? Jewish communities were largely spared because they followed the hygiene regulations given by God, right? They followed the teachings of God. So when the bubonic plague came, they were spared. Unfortunately, because they were the ones spared, what did the people think? Sadly, because they were often largely preserved, they were often accused and punished for being masterminds behind the plague. I guess that explains a lot of the persecution against the Jewish people, right? And so because they followed the teaching of God, they were blessed by God with protection. Because they were protected by God, were persecuted. Sometimes that pattern also happens during our time, right? 
What else does God prohibit? What else can we not eat? Leviticus 11, 29, 31 of the small animals that scurry along the ground. These are unclean for you. You cannot eat this. The mole rat. Well, I'm glad it's there. The rat. Large lizards of all kinds. The gecko, the monitor lizard, the common lizard, the sand lizard, and the chameleon. All these small animals are unclean for you. If any of you touch the dead body of such an animal, you will be defiled until evening. So what else are we not allowed to eat? Basically rodents. What else? Lizards or reptiles, right? You can't eat reptiles, you can't eat rodents. Kind of glad for that, aren't you? Right? According to the, the Center for Disease Control in 2007, this is what it says, as high as 90%, 90% of reptiles are natural carriers of salmonella bacteria. Did you know that? Yeah. Harboring strains specific to reptiles without any symptoms of disease in the reptile. While it's true that many pets can carry salmonella, the problem with reptiles is that they carry salmonella with such high frequency. It is prudent to assume that all reptiles and amphibians can be a potential source of salmonella. There's a reason God said keep away from rodents and lizards. Well, what if rodents and lizards and reptiles, what if they were to touch objects that you use, right? For example, you see a rat going to a boat. You see an amphibian or a reptile going to a cup of water. What does God tell us to do? Leviticus 11, 32, 35, such an animal dies and falls on something, that object will be unclean. This is true whether the object is made of wood, cloth, leather, or burlap. Whatever its use, you may dip it in water, and it will remain defiled until evening. After that, it will be ceremonially clean, ceremonially clean and be used again. If such an animal falls into a clay pot, a rat enters a clay pot. Everything in the pot will be defiled, and the pot must be smashed. If the water from such a container spills on any food, the, pot, the food will be defiled. And any beverage in such a container will be defiled. Any object in which the carcass of such an animal falls will be defiled. If an oven, if it is an oven or hearth, it must be destroyed, for it is defiled, and you must treat it accordingly. See how God is very careful here? He doesn't want his people being infected by bacteria that these animals bring with them. And so if it touches an object that the people use, it could be transferred to them. God wanted to protect that. Israel could not see the danger. It was invisible to their eyes. But God sees everything. And God gave laws to protect his people, Israel. On further interest is the fact that reptilian salmonella contamination can occur even without touching a reptile. This is why God gave that law. If a person touches something that has touched a reptile or a rodent, the bacteria can spread. The ARA, Association of Reptilian and Amphibious, Amphibian Veterinarians, I didn't even know that existed, right? A society, Association of Reptilian and Amphibian Veterinarians. Wow, I guess they have an organization for everything now. They made this statement, salmonella bacteria are easily spread from reptiles to humans. Humans may become infected when they place their hands on objects, not the reptiles themselves, but objects, including food items that have been in contact with the stool of reptiles in their mouths. And so God gave these prohibitions to protect his people. And so what does God want us to know about the laws that he has given us? Leviticus 11. 44 to 47, I am Yahuwah, your God, and you must keep yourselves holy because I am holy. I am Yahuwah who brought you out of Egypt so that I could be your God. You must be holy because I am holy. This then is the law about animals and birds, about everything that lives in water and everything that moves on the ground. You must be careful to distinguish between what is ritually clean and unclean, between animals that may be eaten and those that they may not. And so God gave this to his people so that they can remain clean ceremonially and also physically. This is why the people of Israel, during their days, they could not eat oysters. 
They could not eat pork. They could not eat lobster. This was not allowed for the people of God. Well, how about during our time? Can we eat pork now? Are we allowed to eat pork? Are we allowed to eat lobster and oyster? Well, this is what happened in the book of Acts, chapter 10. And the verses are 9 to 10. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. So here's the apostle Peter. And it was all, it was about noontime. It was on the roof. What was he doing? Pray. Right? How many here know how to pray? Everybody knows how to pray. Sometimes people ask us, you know, why do you close your eyes when you pray? The reason why we close our eyes when we pray, I believe, is because when we close our eyes, it takes us into a deeper state. You see, right now your eyes are open. The moment you close your eyes, your brain waves shift. What do you mean? You see, when we are awake, like all of you are awake now, I'm assuming those who are watching the Bible study are still awake, right? If you're in a waking state, you are in beta. Your beta brain waves are in operation in your brain. When you close your eyes, you begin to relax, you go switch to alpha. When you go deeper, right before falling asleep, you go to theta. When you are deep sleep, deep sleeping, you are in delta. Right? So when you go relax in a state right before deep sleep, alpha and theta, guess what? You are in a state called a trance. Also, Peter, when he was praying, he went into a trance state. It was a deep state of relaxation. You see, when we pray, prayer is not just about asking things from God, right? What is prayer all about? Prayer is about communication. So we're making connection with who? Almighty God, right? When we pray, we need to say things to God. We need to praise Him, ask for things we need. We also need to receive His wisdom. You see, God wants to communicate to us. But sometimes we're so busy. When we pray to God as a casual prayer, we don't even take the time to meditate. We don't even take the time to reflect. We don't even take the time to go into that deep state so that we can receive a message that God wants to give us. Here's Apostle Peter. What was he doing? He was praying. While he was praying, what happened to him? He went into a trance, a deep state, right? And when he was into a trance, what happened to him? God gave him a message. God gave him a message. What was that message? Acts 10, 11 to 14. He saw the sky open. Something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, birds. And the boy said to him, get up, Peter. Kill and eat them. What does Peter say? Being a Jewish person who was taught the Jewish laws. What did Peter say? He said, no, Lord, Peter declared. I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. And so when Peter received this vision, this message from God telling him, go ahead and kill, kill and eat these forbidden animals, Peter resists. And so what does, God's, what does God say to him? Well, in 15 and 16, but the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it mean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheep was suddenly pulled up to heaven. And so God has told Peter that the animals that were considered unclean has been made clean. What does it mean it has been made clean? It has been made ceremonially clean. Because if you read Acts 10, 28, Apostle Peter gets the message. It's about the Jews and the Gentiles being one before our Almighty God. That was the message. And so, yes, during the, our days, the Christian era, we can eat the forbidden foods. We can However, the principle of God's teaching still remain. And this is why if you really want to be healthy, stay away from God's forbidden foods. You want to be healthy? Keep away from the pork. You want to be healthy? Keep away from the lobsters and the oysters. This is why personally I'm going to change my diet. You know, I'm going to follow what the Bible teaches. 
not because I can't. I can now eat pork if I want to, right? And I cannot tell you, you should not eat pork because it was forbidden long ago. Because if I were to do that, I'm breaking God's revelation right here. However, the principle remains, right? It's up to you. The choice is up to you, right? And so, what does Apostle Paul uh, teach about uh, these meats and foods? This is what it says in Romans 14, 20 to 22. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. One pause for a while, because after Apostle Peter got this vision, there were Gentiles who were becoming members of the church, right? And there was this conflict between Christians and the Christians and the Jewish people. There were people who were unable to move on because of faith. They still believed and held on to the prohibitions. You cannot eat certain foods, right? Even though Apostle Peter proclaimed from God's message, you can eat them now. However, there are Christians who could not move on. So there was a conflict. There are some who want to eat those meat and some who do not want to eat the meat. And so Apostle Paul says, don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Remember, all foods are acceptable, but it is wrong to eat something if it makes another person stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it, if it might cause another believer to stumble. You may believe there's nothing wrong with what you are doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. So God is telling us, you have the freedom now if you want to eat pork, if you want to eat lobster, if you want to drink wine. But the Bible says if you're going to eat meat in front of someone who's offended by that, don't do it. You get the point? Right? You're going to eat it, eat it with just, just you and God. Just eat it in private. Eat it with someone who's unoffended by that. It's the same thing with wine. Can we drink wine? Can we? Yes. But don't flaunt it. Don't post it on Facebook and say to the people, look, I'm drinking wine because it could be offending to some. Bible says we have freedom, but we have to make wise choices and take responsibility about our freedoms. This is why if we eat and we drink wine and we know someone's offended by that, just don't do it. And so what if someone will tell you, you cannot eat certain foods, eat certain meats? Apostle Paul had this to say. 1 Timothy chapter 4, <clears throat> 1 down to 4. Now the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars, and their consciences are dead. They will say it is wrong to be married and wrong to eat certain foods. But God created those foods to be eaten with thanks by faithful people who know the truth. Since everything God created is good, we should not reject any of it, but receive it with thanks. And so according to the Holy Bible, during these last days, there are going to be people who will insist you, you cannot get married, you cannot eat certain foods. When people will make that into a command, something that God no longer gives as a command, what are you doing? You're breaking God's law. And that's not the spirit that comes from the Holy Spirit. There's a teaching that is a deviation from the truth. Hey, this is why we're not going to tell you, you know, don't eat pork. I'm not going to tell you that. Don't eat pork. Don't eat lobster. Do not eat oysters. But I can make that decision for myself, right? Can I choose not to eat pork? Of course. But I cannot make you not eat pork. It's your choice because God, the Bible says God made all foods good. And so if you still want to eat lobster, be my guest. I will personally not be offended if I see you eating lobster in front of me. I might have a taste, but just a taste, right? Because it's like vacuum cleaner. I don't want to eat vacuum cleaner bags and, and put that stuff inside my body. Okay. Uh, well, how about uh, how about the uh, the blood? Because if it's true that all things created is good, and the animals has been covered by the sheep that the Apostle Peter saw in his vision, why are we still prohibited from eating blood? Well, this is what it has to say in the Book of Acts, 15, verse 29. 
you must abstain from eating food offered to idols, from consuming blood or the meat of strangled animals, or from sexual immorality. If you do this, you will do well. Farewell. And so when the Bible says that that sheep covered like all these animals, what it was meant to cover were the animals or that which was created for the purpose of food. Blood is not in the category called food. This is why when the apostles met together in the Jerusalem council to tell the Gentiles what they're not allowed to do, Bible included, they must not consume blood. And so from the days of Israel up until today, we must not eat what? Blood. And there's a reason why. Leviticus 3 verse 17, you must never eat any fat or blood. This is a permanent law for you. And it must be observed from generation to generation where, wherever you live. It's in Leviticus chapter 3. The prohibition of God concerning food, category of food, came in Leviticus chapter 11. You see, blood was not meant for food. It was meant for what? The atonement of our sins. And so it's not included in the category of food. And so God says, do not eat blood. From generation to generation, it's a permanent law for you. And so when the apostles convene for the Christians, for the Yahushians, we must not eat blood. So what we can see in the Holy Scriptures, commandments that perhaps did not make sense to the people of Israel. Because when they saw these animals, the pagans were eating them. Why not us? Why do we have to be different? Now we can see the rationale behind all of that. And so what should we believe in concerning the Bible as a whole? Let's read the book of Proverbs 3, 5 to 8. Trust in Yahuwah. Trust in Yahuwah with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear Yahuwah and shun evil. This will, be, this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Let's follow this principle. The people of Israel, they did not understand the scientific basis for why God says eat this and do not eat that. But God understands that. And God tells them, trust me. There are many things in scriptures that perhaps we do not completely understand yet. However, what we need to do is not trust in our own wisdom. Trust in the wisdom of our Father. Trust in the wisdom of Yahuwah our God. If we will do that, all things will go well for us. It will bring health to our bodies and nourishment to our bones. Okay? All right. That's our lesson for today. But before we go ahead and wrap everything up, we just have one question today for our mailbox. Question is this. I just heard from, I just heard well, from Kajeri. I'm assuming that's Kajeria. I could be wrong, okay? I just heard from Kajeri that our ministers are having personal jobs. If I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, okay. Why, during Kaerdi's time, they are not allowing ministers to have extra job? You know, that's a good question. And it's something that we do need to discuss, right? Because during the days of Brother Irani Manal, if you were a minister, you could not have a side job, right? Even the minister's wives were not allowed to have a side job. And so there are people who are asking, you know, if I myself, if we have another job besides preaching the gospel, taking care of the, the church, people might think it's a sin against our almighty God. Right? And that's a pertinent question because, you know, me, like for myself, okay, I cannot speak for Kajero, but for myself, you know, is it a sin? Because now I have my own job, now I have my own business, I have a private practice. Am I committing a sin because I do because I have that? Is that a sin against God? Well, during the days of Brother Irani Manala, he said ministers should not have any other career except for the ministry. But is that a rule from God? A command from God? Or is that a man-made rule? What do you think? It's a man-made rule. The truth is, during the days of the Sugo, many ministers had other jobs, right? Even during the days of Brother Irani Manal, there's some ministers who had other jobs too. 
And so it's a man-made rule. It's not a law of our almighty God. So if I have a business, it's not against the will of God. But what do they point to in the Bible, which they believe is basis for teaching? That if you are a minister of the gospel, you cannot have a job. Well, it's actually in the book of 2 Timothy. This is their go-to passage for that. 2 Timothy chapter 2, 3 down 4. Endure suffering along with me. Apostle Paul's writing to Timothy, right? Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ, Yahushua. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. For then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And so according to Apostle Paul, Timothy, you and I are soldiers of Yahushua. Minister is a soldier of Christ, right? And so if you're a soldier of Christ, what does Apostle Paul say? If you're a soldier, you don't get tied up in the affair of civilian life. Since this is what Apostle Paul said, therefore, if you're a minister, you cannot have another job. Wait a minute. We have to look at what the Bible says and what it doesn't say. It doesn't say you cannot have another job. What does it say? It says you can't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. Does it mean if you're a minister, you can't live a life? Is that what it says? Or you're a minister, you can't have a regular life. That's not what it says. It says you cannot get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, which applies not just to the ministers, but to all of us. Why? Because what Apostle Paul is communicating is we should not let our affairs in this life interfere with the work of the gospel. This is why when the Sugo, whether Felix Carbonell was alive, he encouraged the brethren to have a business of their own. A business. Their own, so they can be their own boss. Why? Because if you are your own boss, you can, you're not tied up right, in your job, meaning you're flexible. If the gospel needed you for something, if the work of the gospel required you to go someplace at some time, you would not be tied up in your job to be able to do that. And so when it says do not get tied up in the affairs of civil life, it doesn't mean you cannot have a job. It just means do not let your job have priority over your ministry in the gospel. Make sense? This is what the Bible says. And so if I were to have a job, right? I have a job right now. I have a practice. I have this. What would be my basis for doing that? Why do I need that? Let's read the book of Timothy. I'm speaking for myself because I cannot speak for Jared. I don't know what kind of job he has, but I'm speaking for myself. I do have a job. But why do I need that? Why? Well, let's read the book of Timothy 5.8. But if any do not take care of their relatives, especially the members of their own family. They have denied the faith and are worse than a non-believer. Apostle Paul said, if you cannot take care of the needs of your own family, what are you? You're worse than a non-believer. You have denied the faith. How can you preach the faith if you deny the faith? How can I take care of my family? Well, they have needs. I have needs. My wife has needs. My kids have needs. We live in California. Guess what? In California, things are expensive, right? Who's going to pay for the car bills, insurance, health concerns, food? We're getting older. Our kids are going to go to college. Who's going to pay for that? There's so many other needs. Of course, we have to be able to prepare for the future. You know, when we don't know when judgment is going to be. We cannot predict that. Time will come, and perhaps we're going to have to retire. We're going to be old, 90s, 100s. God willing, right? We don't have any uh, uh, savings for retirement because we don't have a retirement plan. We don't have, what is that? Uh, the the uh, sundry. We never got our sundry. <laughs> right? Well, what are we going to do for the future? We've got to take care of our own needs. This is biblical, right? And so we need to get a job. And who is an example of one who was a minister, an apostle? Told Apostle, told Timothy about not getting tied up in the affairs of civilian life. Who also had a job. Let's read the book of Acts 18, 1 to 3. After these things, he left Athens. Who was this he mentioned here? Who left Athens? Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul. 
After these things, he left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, having recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. He came to them, and because he was of the same trade, <laughs> also Paul had a trade. He had a skill. He had a gift. He stayed with them, and they were, what did they do? Working. For by trade, they were ten makers. Who's an example? Of one who's a minister. The most prolific apostle in the Holy Bible. Apostle Paul. Did he have a job? Yeah. What was his job? He was a tent maker. That was his trade. He worked together with Aquila and Priscilla. He came from Italy, probably working with fine Italian leather. <laughs> this was Apostle Paul. And so it's not a sin if I or Kajeria or Karni or whoever, the minister, will also have a job. What if God gave us other gifts? God gave us the gift to preach the word of God. What if God also gave us the gift to do other things? Like what if God gave you a gift to help other people in a different capacity? Or am I going to turn away from that gift? I don't think so. Right? There were not too long ago when people spoke of jobs, they did not call it a job. You know what they called it? They called it a vocation. You know why it's called a vocation? It means a calling. It's God's gift to you so that you can contribute to the needs of the world. It's a calling. Some were called to be a nurse, a doctor, a lawyer, a therapist, right? And so God gives you these different gifts so that you can be a contributor to the things of the world. And so these are the things that we also need to consider. How hard did Apostle Paul work for his living? Let's read the book of Acts 20, 33, 35. Apostle Paul is the one speaking, I never wanted anyone's silver, gold, or clothes. You know that I work to support myself and those who were with me. I have given you an example that by working hard like this, we should help the weak. We should remember the words that the Lord Yahushua said, giving gifts is more satisfying than receiving them. How hard did Apostle Paul work for his living? The Bible says he worked hard. So he can be an example. What was the one thing he never did? He never coveted. He never wanted silver or gold that belonged to someone else. This is why he worked hard. So he can stand on his own two feet and provide for his own needs and for those who are with him. What was his mindset? What was it that drives him to do that? His mindset was not to hoard and to collect and to store goods on your in your barns and build it up. No, his purpose was so that he can give. You see, this is what our mindset should be as well. If you're a minister of the gospel, praise be to the Father. It's a gift. It's a calling. However, there are also other callings, which is our way of giving back, right? And so it's not a sin if a minister will have another job, another vocation, another trade by which he can raise enough to sustain the needs of himself and his family. If there are brethren who are offended by that, well, there's nothing I can do about that. Right? Because I'm not going to ask you for money. I'm not going to ask you, you know, my son's going to college, my daughter's going to college, I need this amount of money. I'm not going to ask you for that. I'm going to ask my father for that. My father says to me, God, Yahuwah says to me, you got to work for a living. And this is what I'm doing. i got to work for a living too. Okay, all right, that is our lesson for today. Let us all stand, brethren, and we shall pray. Everlasting Father, yes, Yahuwah our God, thank you, thank you so much yes, for giving us your message this evening. Yes, for giving us your message this day. Yes. We ask that you please continue to bless our hearts. Yes. Help us to be obedient to your holy yes, words. Father. Help us to be dedicated to you yes. at all times in our life. Amen. We believe, Father, the reason why you give us commands yes, is because you're thinking about us, yes. about our welfare, about our health and our strength. Yes. Thank you, Father. Teach us to trust you, yes. to hold on to you, 
rather than to hold on to our personal wisdom. Amen. Lord Yahusha HaMashiach, yes. you are our king, and so we follow your teachings. Yes. We follow and obey your desires for all of us. May you reveal this to your servants, yes. that we can find the path that leads to you and to the Father. Amen. Oh God, we believe that you have listened to our prayers. Yes. You have blessed your people throughout the world. Yes. So we ask everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahusha HaMashiach. Amen. Amen. Amen.